What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the TSK Show. I'm your host, Eric, the Duke of Sports Sklar. I'm joined by my co-host, Tyler Pacholke. What's up, TP? How you living, man? Hey, no complaints here, man. I'm ready to do it. All right. Before we start, thank you so much for listening, everybody. Be sure to follow at TSK Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you want to find myself or Tyler on Twitter, be sure to follow us at the Duke of Sports and at Tyler's underscore world underscore. All of our content can be found on SoundCloud or Apple Podcasts. Just type in keyword, The Sports Kingdom Show. Check us out on Anchor as well, anchor.fm slash TSK Show, or just download the Anchor app for your iPhone or Android. This week, the NBA Conference Finals are underway. Cleveland is trying to bounce back as they tip off against the Celtics in about less than a half an hour for Game 2 against the Celtics. Monday night, a.k.a. last night, the Warriors stole home court advantage from the Rockets. So Tyler and I will share our thoughts on both of those series. Also, both this week and next week, Tyler and I are going to go over our top five offenses and defenses from both conferences. We are looking forward to watching this upcoming NFL season. So we have some football for you this week. And then in two weeks, we will reveal our way too early play, uh, power rankings presented by the Cup Barbershop for the NFL. Yep. But first, we have to start with the landmark decision that the United States Supreme Court came down with on Monday, and that is each state now has the right to legalize sports gambling. Yeah, this is big time. It's cool. We'll yeah. See, well, it's, we'll see what happens. Yeah, no, there's, there's a lot of questions right now, but just to give everybody some background on, on the case... So the Supreme Court ruled in favor of the state of New Jersey and against sports leagues that include the NBA, MLB, NCAA, NFL, and NHL. Uh, New Jersey plans on being the first state to legalize sports gambling with Delaware, Mississippi, New York, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia to follow almost immediately. This case took over six years, but over the time that the case was playing out in court, the NBA and MLB actually pivoted and were basically now in favor of legalizing sports gambling. Yeah, one of one of the big things is like Adam Silver has been pushing for this since day one. This is like one of the big things um, he wanted to bring to the game and change. Right. So the reason so that's where the pivots at right there. Yeah. So I mean, the reason they uh, the pivot in the in the NBA and the MLB's position on it they began lob lobbying in favor of legalization because they thought realistically they were probably going to lose the case. And if it is going to become legal, they might as well get out ahead of it and help yeah. help make the rules and yeah. the laws yeah. associated with sports gambling that help ensure the integrity of the yeah. games. It's very similar to uh, uh, on the law side of it, the whole, you know, legalization of marijuana like that's. Yeah, no, it's, it's very similar because it's going to be a state to state situation. Um, and you know, like like it was in 2012 when the marijuana thing started, we'll have to wait for a couple of years to see what this law really means and what's really going to happen because it's so new. You don't know the dynamics of the law quite yet. Right. So right now, the only place, well, not right now, since it's legal now today, um, but before that, the only place you could fully gamble on sports legally was Nevada. Yep. And Vegas. Yeah. And everybody loves going to Vegas for the sports books. I mean, yeah. they're the, the big losers of this. All. I don't think so. I mean, they're probably still going to get theirs, but a frat, you know, they might, they're going to lose a fraction of people that travel to Vegas to sport, to bet on sports. Like for me, example, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like I, one of my favorite parts about Vegas is the sports book. And now I don't have to go there. Well, okay. So listen to this. Um, last year in 2017, a record $4.8 billion was wagered in sports books. Yeah. <laughs> so just think about what the market is underground. Yeah. So, well, 
the American Gambling Association estimates that Americans yeah. illegally gambled $150 billion on sports each year. So, you know, even if these people are taking like a fraction of a, like a, a you know, a tenth of a percentage of this money, you know, these leagues are going to be making money off of this. Yeah. So to your to your point that this is going to hurt Vegas, ESPN's Arash Markazi said it best in a tweet yesterday. A big misconception, quote, a big misconception is that this will hurt Vegas. Nothing could be further from the truth. No one in 2018 is flying or driving to Vegas just to place a sports wager. You have been able to do that on your smartphone for years. Yeah, but I mean, I don't. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, I, you know, you I, don't do it illegally. I don't. No. Yeah, exactly. I think uh, I don't think it's going to be. They're not. They're the biggest loser. I'm not saying they're a huge loser, but of the people that are losing, they're I don't, you know, there's no one else that's really going to be losing from this other than maybe like, you know, you know, underground betting. Yeah, I know. No, the, no, the biggest losers in this are the, are the bookies. Yeah, the bookies. Exactly. Um, another another point that Arash Markazi brought up on why Vegas is not a loser in this is Vegas in the past has been banned by the NCAA from hosting championship level yeah, events. Yeah, yeah. Now that it's legal. Arash Markazi yeah. believes that Vegas will now be in the running for a lot yeah. of these championships. Yeah, why not? No, it championship really events. Yeah. yeah, they have they're building the new yeah. stadium for the Raiders. They built T-Mobile Arena yeah. for indoor events. Yeah. It Vegas is going to be fine. No, Vegas is going to be fine. They're just I think of all the things, you know, they're the only ones that's really losing. No one everyone else is only going to make money. But this yeah, this is going to be really interesting the next couple of years to see what, you know, how it unfolds. Um, this is kind of my like dark view on it. Um, <laughs> not that I think it's cool. I mean, th- this is like I said, you can take this both ways. But imagine yourself going to a game, all right, and you're with say, you know, you're just this typical family of four, mm-hmm. and you go to a game and you got your smart. The parents got their smartphones out. The kids maybe even do, uh-huh. um, you know. And in the stadium, they have their bets going on, and yeah. you're like betting as a family, and it's like a fun, you know. Yeah. Thing. And then it's like these little kids are basically being shown how to gamble at a young, younger age. Yeah. And then, you know, they're going to play it in a fun way. Like, oh, these prop bets are going to pop up on the Jumbotron. You know, they're going to be like when a bet's busted. It's like gonna, the 50-50 raffle at a lot of yeah, stadiums. Yeah, they're going to they're gonna show, you know, they're going to be like, you know, is Kevin Durant going to score 12 points next quarter when he's like on fire? You know what <laughs> I mean? It's like they're going to be teach. It's going to be stuff like that. Now, it's going to be fun for someone like me. Um, but it also can be dangerous, you know. Oh, I mean? for sure. Yeah, it's just easier to gamble. It's not that I think. Oh, I, you know, I believe that if you're a gambler, you're going to gamble. This, you know, it's not stopping any. No, one's, no. like laws aren't stopping anybody. Um, but it is going to open the door to some people that I think, were, you know, weren't as susceptible to it. Well, think think about this. It, to your point, you brought up at the stadium, at the arena, in-game betting type stuff. Think about smart TVs well, having that, yeah. a ticker well, that's like, like the, the, fam- like that, the that's scores cool. at yeah. home, and you can just yeah. do it at home. And having you can just yeah. click a button on your remote and have a menu pop up, and you can be, place bets. I just think it's kind of funny because I think eventually, you know, you're going to see it as like a family thing, betting. You know, yeah, that, man. that's interesting. You know, it could go, it could go one way, it could go the other. We don't know. We're going to see. Our society's never really tried anything like this before. Um, as far as like gambling goes, well, I th- I think it's always been seen in such a negative spotlight because it's so addicting. Oh yeah, and you can lose your life to it. I mean, you you know you start losing all your money in your house or whatever. You know, it can go down a really dark road, and people's families get broken up because of oh, gambling. Oh, f- for sure. But at the same time, it 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 could turn it you know and turn it into like a lighter a lighter hearted thing and not yeah. just a serious addiction. Yeah, I also but I also think when it comes to the states making these laws. I think a lot of like the tax revenue and all the all the money that the state is going to get is going to be put into programs that help gambling addictions or or it goes to like the school system or something like that where the money is going to go to a good place and it's going to start helping the communities helping well, states. It's going to go to the leagues. Yeah, know? it's no. But, I mean, it's just like people are going to. Uh, you know, I also believe like if they got it, people with addiction, they're going to have addiction. You can't stop it from happening to everyone. So you might as well. You know, make it not non illegal, so you're not you know, yeah, arresting people all the time for something that everybody's doing. Yeah, but I mean, I think overall it's a good thing. I think it's it's a new frontier. It's it's yeah. brand new. It's 
it's going to be interesting to see how all of this plays out and I, how many states. Yeah. There was I saw a projection. It said um, within the next ten years, thirty-two states will be. I mean, ten years legalized. Could, ten years, it could be every state with a major sports team. You know. Yeah. I mean, or any state that has any sort of like you know, the Kentucky Derby. You know, the Masters. Like yeah. anything. You know, if they're if that state's hosting events like that, they're going to have gambling. Oh, for sure. But anyway, I, I wanted to touch on that because it is such a huge landmark decision. It's a, it's I think a big I'm most day worried about it because this is how someone like me gets into gambling. <laughs> <laughs> because See, I'll come in there confident and they can, you're always going to think you can get out of the here's, hole. Here's my thing with gambling is like I love going to Vegas. I like playing the casino games. I like betting on sports when I'm in Vegas sometimes. But for me, it's like. I'm broke. Like I don't have enough money to be gambling. Like, yeah, but that doesn't stop I, people from gambling. It, That's the it, problem. Exactly. Yeah. Like it, that doesn't. You think you think the other way? You're trying to talk yourself in. Like I can make more money. You know yeah. Man? It's like if I had a disposable income, you can, that'd be. You could be making. You'll be. It'll be interesting. You'll be like, hey, LeBron's hot. I can make five hundred bucks next <laughs> quarter if I place this bet. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of LeBron. Let's uh let's move to the Eastern Conference Finals. All right, let's do it. So we got the the number two seed Celtics taking on the number four Cavaliers. Yeah. This was this was probably the matchup everybody wanted at the beginning of the season. Yeah. And everybody was expecting at the beginning of the season. It's just yeah. we were expecting. I don't think there's any real like it, if we went back to, to before the season started. Now before the Kyrie Gordon Hayward injury and yeah. before Cleveland was a mess. Yeah. I think the I think all four teams are the teams everyone really had. Oh yeah, if this would this pretty is basically chalk. Yeah, pretty pretty predictable. Yeah. Pretty amazing. On the other hand, too, that Boston got here obviously yeah. without the max deals. And Cleveland. And Cleveland got here with the all most, the turmoil the that they went dramatic, through. The most dramatic, you know, bunch of shit with role players and coaches I've ever seen. You know. Yeah. So I mean, Boston leads the series one zero. Uh, they won Game One in by Boston 25. by twenty five. Uh, they came out once again and proved everyone wrong as they've done the entire postseason. LeBron had probably one of the worst games in a long time. They switched it up. They started uh, Marcus Morris first game. He he called he, he gave LeBron some bulletin board material and he backed it up. Yeah, I'm guessing now that this was his first start. I'm guessing that like whenever he got the news he was starting, that's when he tweeted that out. Yeah, you know what I mean. I'm sure probably. he got the nod like three days. I think it was three days before the game. He tweeted out that he could stop LeBron, or he's second best to Kawhi. Yeah, um, that was probably after he learned that he was a starter. But yeah, they they crushed. I mean, I still think Cleveland's gonna win this series. Oh, I'm expecting LeBron yeah, to come out and but, have like a 40 point game Bo tonight. But Boston has two of the best, two of my favorite matchups. Well, I should say one of my favorite matchups, and Marcus Morris. I'm gonna throw him some respect because he said it, and then he came out and he played well. Um, but Marcus Morris and Marcus Smart. Last year in the Eastern Conference Finals, they played Marcus Smart on LeBron. I thought he played a great. He played him great. He's yeah. super physical, strong, faster guy. You know, he doesn't have the length, but I don't think with LeBron necessarily length is going to do you any good if LeBron is going to outpower you or yeah. beat you around the edge. So um, Boston went small and they won the game. It's it's uh, Boston. This is one of those series where. Like Boston could sweep Cleveland, Cleveland could have swept Boston. This could go seven games. You just you never know what Boston's gonna bring. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean Boston's undefeated at home in the playoffs right now. Um, the game tips off in about fifteen minutes. I'm expecting LeBron to just come out on fire. Yeah, he's he's gonna play like a maniac tonight. I'm expecting, and if if Cleveland can win this game, I think they're winning this series in five games. Yeah, exactly. The once they get any little momentum, they're they're fine. Because and they it, and they in you know they're on the road still. Exactly. Boston, if they can, so. if Cleveland can steal one in Boston, coming home one one yeah. with two games at home. Yeah, LeBron. That, that's looking pretty good for Cleveland. Yeah, LeBron was zero for five from three and five for sixteen for the field. Yeah, he's seven not, turnovers and a minus thirty two. Yeah, he's not gonna he's not gonna play that bad again. So it's not gonna. What's crazy, though, is he still almost had a triple-double, 15 points, 7 rebounds, and 9 yeah. assists. Well, because, I mean, you could tell, like, early in the game, he passed up on a 3 that was wide open, and he, and he took it to the rack. He, You know, early in the game, he's just not looking to score. That's not what he does. So That's crazy of course to me. He, of course he's going to get rebounds and assists because that's what he does. He, he'll get 7 rebounds and 9 assists and a half if he wanted to. It's, oh, for sure. You know, he's just trying to get – he needs Kyle Korver and J.R. Smith and Tristan Todd. He needs them to play good. Oh, I mean – 
the Cavs and LeBron need everybody from 2016 that is left over to give them the yeah. most production they've given them since 2016. Clarkson's all, you know, Clarkson's all right. Uh, Jeff Green's all right, but you know they need they need the Tristan Thompsons and the J.R. Smiths and Kevin Love. Yeah, Kevin Love's fine though. I, I've never really, I've never really been upset with the No, I haven't either. Play. Yeah, he he fades, just needs he fades out to the three a little bit too much. I wish he would go back to his Minnesota days and play power forward, but. He's also like thirty pounds lighter than he was when he was in Minnesota. Exactly. So he's a different guy. He's adapted to the league. Yeah, and he's playing. You know, now he's playing Al Horford. That's a pretty tough matchup for him. Al Horford is playing. He's amazing. playing out of his mind. Yeah, amazing. He's actually probably the best. Like last, you know, in game one, he's Boston's best player. Oh, for sure. So. And I mean, Terry Rozier is kind of teetered off a little bit but i mean everybody else i mean jason tatum coming back to back to normal yeah he still had a great game they all had all boston's players had great games rozier just didn't shoot very well yeah he only took 10 shots too so i mean he's not did you like their starters uh boston starters took 10 shots 10 shots 11 shots 12 shots 16 shots yeah that's perfectly just completely even yep and then mark smart had 12 shots coming off the bench so you know, you got six guys all within ten and sixteen field goal attempts. That's pretty. They're they're going to be tough to beat because they're just moving the ball so well. Yeah, and I mean, they're just Brad Stevens has them running on all cylinders. Yeah, Brad Stevens said he he thinks he's getting way too much credit um, for the job <laughs> this year and that the, the, his players. And like that's just classic I, Brad Stevens. Yeah, I get it. He's trying to like give you know pay these guys some respect because they're a bunch of you know basically no name not no neighbors but, but basically a bunch of role players yeah who are in the eastern conference files up 1-0 on lebron so. i mean we knew jason tatum was going to have an impact his rookie year but it's like we didn't think he was going to be having this kind of impact we knew jalen brown was going to take some steps into, yeah. in his second year but the steps he's taken have now, surely jalen exceeded jalen brown's definitely the biggest surprise on this team because for sure i didn't i thought they were crazy for taking him third overall yeah his rookie year, he didn't crack the rota that much. I mean, he played, but not that much. And he took a big step this year. So, Boston and Philly are the are the the future. Oh, definitely, and espe- especially if LeBron leaves the East. Yeah, which that's a whole another ball game. <laughs> we can get to that closer to July. Yeah, I don't. It's like yeah, he. I don't think LeBron knows the season's not over yet. No, LeBron has no idea where yeah, he's going. The season's not done yet. So, all right, should we move to the West? Yep. All right. I did hear I did hear a, um, a super team for the Lakers where it was uh, trading Bi for Kawhi, uh, signing Paul George, and then LeBron would be like, "All right, that's a super team. I'll sign oh, there." Oh man! And we could potentially have I, well, I, I, it, it could I, potentially be Lonzo, Paul George, Kawhi, LeBron. I don't know if I would trade T Mac. Uh, T Mac's the one that said that on the jump. On the jump, he did it. He did it like in a second. He's like, "Here you go. Here's your super team." Dude, having Ti and Vin, or Ti, T Mac and Vince Carter on the jump today was dope. Yeah, those guys because uh, the cousin connection, baby. Yeah, and shout out Vince's new documentary on Netflix. Oh, I got to check that out. It's a good one. Okay. I will definitely be checking that yeah, out. Yeah, let's go to the West. All right, so we got the the one seed Rockets and this the is, and this, the two seed Warriors. This shit's hilarious. So Golden State is up one zero. They won last night one nineteen to one zero six. And I don't care what anybody says right They're now. We're watching that ass. Well, but I don't care what anybody says. We're watching the NBA Finals right now. Yeah, yeah. This just series because, is just the because championship. Because the Warriors are going to win it. That's the only reason why. <laughs> it's like God, dude. It's like. The whole year I felt like Golden State was going to win it, but it's like Houston made it a little interesting, but it's still it's not even interesting. No. It's not. They're not going to win. They don't have enough firepower. With Durant, without Durant, this would be a decent series. If Without Durant, this ga- this series goes seven games. Yeah, but – With but Durant, this series is going five. Yeah, they're, they can't stop them. I mean, the Warriors aren't even playing a center right now. They didn't play one center last game. Nope. Um, I do think Iguodala started – Well, no, they played Kevon Looney. But I mean, they have him listed as like a small forward, for power forward. Ah, yeah, he's yeah. like six ten. Yeah, but it's but still, that's the only guy that played. David West played four minutes. Javale McGee didn't play, and Zaza didn't play. Jordan Bell didn't play. I don't think Zaza's seeing the floor the rest of the playoffs. No, probably not because they can't pull that shit in the playoffs. Yeah, um, but I mean, they're playing they're playing small ball, and no one's gonna dot everyone. The, the Warriors are too good. They're going to dominate the Rockets. Yeah. It's a better version of the Rockets. It Literally. That's what it is. It's it, the Rockets with Kevin Durant. 
<laughs> I mean, if the Rockets had LeBron James, then this would be a decent series. And it'd still probably go to the Warriors. Yeah, for even sure. Even with LeBron. For sure. But, I mean, James Harden, he's most likely going to win MVP for the regular season, and it's well-deserved. He played like an MVP in game one. He had 41 points, 14-24 from the field, 5-9 and nine from three-point, four rebounds, seven assists, so pretty on, on point with his averages. Yeah. Uh, Chris Paul had a nice showing in his first conference finals game, 23 yeah. points, 11 rebounds, only three assists. But, I mean, Houston's role players just didn't show up in game one. Well, yeah, plus they, they're – I mean, these guys, the, it's the playoffs now, but these two teams are playing five guys, maybe six. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. there's there's a sixth guy that's getting minutes, but it's basically, you know, it's they're, they're five guys. They're playing over 34 minutes a game. Yeah. Uh, it's really, real short rotation, so you better be bringing the heat right now. Yeah, and, I mean, the thing, the, another thing about Kevin Durant is the fact that he can get his shot off over anybody. Yeah. Anybody in the league. And yeah, I mean, Trevor Reza and PJ Tucker, like Trevor Reza, they couldn't even really keep on the court. He got in foul trouble, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so it's like Garden Durant, you know, you're, you're going to get into foul trouble. Yeah, and I mean, I, I saw a tweet uh, during the game last night, and it said, Houston needs to do what Boston did with Tony Allen in 2008 on Kobe with Luke Richard and Bob Mute on um, Durant. Kevin Durant. And I'm like – that's great. They can stick Luke Richard and Bob Mute on Kevin Durant. On offense, he went 0 for 6, 0 for 2 from the field, negative 14. Right. He's he's a liability on offense, and Luke Richard and Bob Mute is no Tony Allen on defense. No. So, I... I hey, Tony Allen wasn't even Tony Allen then. That was like his coming out party. Yeah. You know? Yeah, the 2008 finals were Tony Allen's coming out party. Yeah. But, I mean, also, Clay Thompson caught fire in the fourth quarter he ended up with 28 points Duh. off six threes yeah no no <laughs> shit like that's what yeah they're they're stacked i mean the warriors are too good they're they're beating everybody it's too easy for them houston was the best team in the nba and they just worked them like by 13 on their home court and if you and the they're way gonna sweep, they're gonna sweep the rockets yeah and well gentlemen sweep maybe i mean you, maybe i think the rockets are gonna find a way to steal one if not game two. That's sad. I mean, it's just crazy that the number one team in the NBA is just still that far away from. Yeah. The number one record uh, is still that much, still that far away from Golden State. Yeah. And, I mean, Steph, Steph didn't play all that well in the, in game one. But, I mean, he's going to find his stride. He is, he's coming off an injury. Yeah. He's, he's going to be fine. Yeah, no one's worried about Steph. And he still, I mean, he still grabbed six boards, eight assists, two steals. A block, you know. He's yeah, he doing, just didn't shoot that well. He's doing Steph stuff, and yeah, the shots not there. It's not like they're in a, a lack of shooters, you know. If <laughs> yeah. He's not shooting well. I'm sure Clay and Durant are shooting fine. Exactly. You know, Dray Draymond and Iguodala took eight shots between the two of them. Yeah, and I mean, if you, the way the game started with, and Looney only took one shot. I think it was a dunk. Yeah. Um, but if if you were to tell me with the way the game started with Draymond getting that quick technical, Houston came out with a lot of energy and made a couple big shots in the beginning. I wasn't expecting it to end up being a 13 point win for the Warriors. I thought it was going to be a much closer game, but yeah. that just shows how much firepower and how much. Yeah. They could play without Draymond. Oh yeah. They could easily play without Draymond, but it's also hard to play without Draymond. No. Yeah. Cause he's their center. Yeah. He spreads the court. He plays, brings the ball up, you know, he's, he's so versatile. Um, he can, you know, he can guard Capella and he brings the ball up. So that's yeah. pretty tough. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it's Cavs Warriors. Yeah, for sure. That's, that's what I'm thinking. I mean, I think, you know, I think the Celtics are, are a good basketball team, but I think, you know, this is kind of like they've met their, they've met their match. Yeah. And I mean, who knows by the time we do the episode next week, everybody could just be resting for another week until the final start in June. Yep. Because I mean, with the way the TV rights and the NBA and scheduling and all of that, they're going to give these guys like a week off before the finals. Yeah. Yep. If, if these series are short. Yeah. Which I think they're both going to be short. Yeah. I think they're Boston neither Cleveland, of them are going Boston Cleveland could go, but it could go the distance, but golden state's not. No, it's definitely not going the distance, but anyway, that wraps it up for the NBA talk. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to some NFL. Let's give let's give the people some football. Yes, finally. God. <laughs> um, 
Yeah. So do you want to start we'll with the uh, Yeah, we'll start out with the NFCs. Uh, NFC, we're going to go over the uh, NFC offenses and defenses. Yeah, so ba- so basically Tyler has a list of five NFC offenses he's looking forward to yep. watching this season, and I have a list of five NFC defenses that I'm looking forward to watching this season. And I put them in no particular order. Um, and and I didn't – it wasn't as much uh, – it wasn't as much as like ones I'm r- excited to see or interested to see. It's more of like I think these are the five best offenses okay. in the NFC. So um, we'll go ahead. We'll go ahead and we'll uh, start out with the ATL just because that, that's who I got uh, listed first. But um, Atlanta, you know they've people kind of know the story. Wait, hold on, sorry. I the the lottery picks just came out. Yeah, the Suns have the number one pick. Yeah. Um, so they're gonna get Mo Bamba. All right. So here, here's here's. They could take Donkic though. Did you know that that Phoenix that Phoenix coach is Donkic's old coach? Yeah. 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 So all right, so we'll get back to the NFL in a second. But the the lottery draft order for the NBA just came out. The Suns have the number one pick. The Grizzlies have the number two pick. The Mavericks have the number three pick. Hawks have the four pick. Magic five. Bulls six. Kings seven. Cavs from the Nets at eight. Cavs got the eighth pick. Yes. The New York Knicks at nine. The 76ers from the Lakers pick have the 10 pick. So the the, the yeah. Cavs are at eight. The 76ers are at 10. Hornets at 11. Clippers 12. Clippers 13 because the Clippers yeah. got that pick for the Blake Griffin trade yeah. from Piston, from the Pistons. And then the Nuggets 14. Wizards 15. Well, the 15 and on is just the playoff. Yeah. It's just, uh, that was, that order's already set. Yeah. So. But the Lakers first, have the, Lakers have the 25 overall pick from the Jordan Clarkson yeah, Larry yeah, Nance trade. Yeah, we knew that, yeah. Uh, well, off the, it's dope. Uh, Dallas is going to get a great player. Dallas uh, is going to get think, a good player. Uh, and then that 8, 9, 10 lineup right there with. Uh, Cavs, Knicks, 76ers. Cavs, Knicks, 76ers, all good teams are going to add. And this draft is stacked. I yeah, mean, this, this is draft like, is deep. They, I mean, this year's rookie class is amazing, but this this next draft class is crazy. I mean, especially all the big guys that are out there. I well, mean, if Dallas gets, you know, Marvin Bagley, like it's gonna be that's gonna be tough. Think think about a player who missed a lot of time during the college basketball season, who f- is probably falling on a lot of draft board. Michael Porter Jr. Yeah, yeah, he could end up in that eight nine ten spot. Yeah, who knows? Well, yeah, no, for sure. And I said Mo Bamba earlier, but I I, I meant DeAndre Ayton. Yeah, DeAndre Ayton is going to be number one overall pick, hopefully. Yeah, I think DeAndre Ayton was the for sure number one pick. But now that Phoenix, like, and he went to Arizona, so he's got that ties. But Phoenix is the team that if they got number one. I didn't know Phoenix was the only team to me that I thought could take Donkic number one because they I, hired that coach. But I think every other single, I think every single team's got Aiton uh, at number one. Yeah, for sure. So it's it's gonna be uh, what what is Dallas number three? Dallas is number three. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, if Dallas gets Mo Bamba, Marvin Bagley, Jaron Jackson, you know they're gonna ha- they're gonna get a player. And, and Memphis, on you know, in that same breath. Yeah. If they're ever if they're able to add Doncic or Marvin Bagley, because I think Marvin Bagley can play with Gasol. I don't think Aiton. And Mobamba are going to play with Marcus Saul. Yeah, um, you know they still have Conley and Gasol. They're going to be ready, to, ready to rock. Yeah. So I just had to get that in there because no, it yeah, did just good, break. Yeah. First, um, uh, you got my first uh, initial reaction. reaction. Yeah. Initial reaction on the on the draft. All right. So let's talk about the Atlanta Falcons now. Atlanta Falcons <laughs> offense. Yeah. Basically, what I want to start with is um, first of all why why I think they're a top five offense. Um, they probably have the best offensive line on paper. Um, looking at it, they have a bunch of studs uh, and a lot of veteran talent. Um, Levitre, uh, Alex Mack, uh, and then a c- couple other tackles. Um, the other thing is first-year offensive coordinator, Steve Sarkeesian. Mm. Now, Steve Sarkeesian, if you're a football fan, especially if you're a football fan of the West Coast. You um, know that you know name him. very well. I mean, he was the offensive coordinator for Bama when they won the national title um, a couple years ago. But Steve Sarkeesian is one of these guys that's a, a true genius to the sport. I mean, I think he really is that much smarter than everyone else in the room when he's around. Or else he's had so many tr- off-field problems as a coach, you know, drinking and all of this. Um, Who doesn't like a little booze, though? You know, he's gotten, he's gotten in trouble at USC. He's gotten in trouble at UW. Um, he was, 
he was uh oh then Bama hired him basically as like an assistant, graduate assistant at yeah. first. Because you know? Lane Kiffin went and to Nick Saban and was yeah, like, Yo, we yeah. need to give this guy a job. Yeah, he's got all sorts of connections. Um and you know, Dan Quinn, the head coach, is an old Seahawks guy. Yep. And, you know, Pete Carroll probably had some help with this as well. Um but yeah, I mean Steve Sarkeesian's a true genius. I mean, true genius. I really think he's one of the smartest people in the NFL. Um with one of the best offensive lines on paper, you got Matt Ryan. Um, they're, they're, every team needs to be able to have two running back sets, two tight end sets, and three receiver sets. They check the box on everything. Yep. I mean, they've got you know two uh, – Logan Paulson's a veteran tight end, and, and Hooper, who's a young, uh, talented tight end. Yeah, he's coming end. up. You know, and then they had one of my favorite picks in the draft with Stephen Ridley, the Alabama – Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley, Stephen Ridley. The running back. <laughs> Is that his brother? I think it might be. Yeah. Um, Calvin Ridley with Julio and, and Muhammad Sanu, I think is a, is a great pick. It reminds me of when they traded up to get Julio yeah. when they already had Roddy White. They understand the uh, the value of having two yeah. number one receivers on both ends of the ball. So they're gonna be they're gonna be nasty. My only thing with the receiving core there is how unhappy is Julio Jones because he wants an extension. I mean, well, football wise, he's extremely happy yeah okay yeah football so, wise he's extremely i don't know happy. about the contract stuff obviously but i assume uh, although they've paid matt ryan so much it, it's that's probably going to hurt them to have that much money in their pat just the passing game um but you got to pay julio he's arguably the best receiver in the nfl physically yeah. he he probably is the best receiver in the nfl yeah um but adding to steven ridley is is huge calvin for ridley god Stephen Ridley, God, <laughs> did it again. I don't. It's because I have it written down in front of me as Stephen Ridley. Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley. But I gotta, I gotta delete it. I'll just keep saying it. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. So ATL. No, definitely, it, definitely a top five. Atlanta. Offense. I mean, look. they're they're a top five offense in the NFL. Yeah. Um, they're probably they probably are the number one offense in the NFC. Um, but yeah, Steve Sarkeesian is like my big. This is his second year with them, right? No, this is his first year as an offensive coordinator. I, but he was with them last yeah, year. Yeah, I think so. Okay. But he was, like, basically not in football last year, I don't think, because his last official job was the Alabama O coordinator. Got it. I think he was another one of those, like, just – Helping out the Falcons last yeah, year? I yeah, I don't know how that works out, but, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, do you want to just uh, just go all offense right now? Yeah, let's just do offense, right. and then we'll go to defense. All right, moving on. I got number t- – uh, well, this, the second offense I'm going to talk about is uh, the New Orleans Saints. Yeah. Um, you know, this is kind of the same old song and dance. Their, their biggest strength to me is um, their offense coordinator, Pete Carmichael. This is his 10th season um, with the Saints. Now, most coordinators, I would say a coordinator is with a team – Two to three years. Yeah. I mean, normally. Because they want to move up, get a head coaching job, or get, get in a better position. They're moving up, they're moving down, or they're going to college. You know right. what I mean? That's just kind of the nature of the beast. So anytime you have a coordinator, like anywhere five plus years, 10 years is unheard of. Yeah. Um, so they have, you know, the tenure with Carmichael, Sean Payton, and Drew Brees. This is why you see what you see every year at a sustained Brees. success. Yeah, they, these guys know each other. They know how to work. Um, and then, like I said, you know, with the three wide receiver set, they added Ted Ginn. I think their three wide receiver sets as weak as it's been in a long, long time. I mean, if Ted Ginn's yeah, who you're shouting out, they also have Tommy Lee Lewis, and obviously their number one guy is Michael Thomas. He's a stud. Yeah, from the valley. Um, but that's like their, you know, that's kind of their weak spot. Um, you know. Ingram's in, uh, got the suspension. Yeah, they're going to miss gonna, him for four games. But Al, you know, but Alvin they have Camara, so is, they're fine. Great. Yeah, and then the, here's the other. Here's the the diamond in the rough for the Saints. This could be very interesting. Do you know who their backup quarterback is? I and and I don't think they know, but I think I know who's going to win the competition for the backup quarterback job, and that's J T. Barrett. Wow. And so J T. Barrett, you know, you put him alongside an Alvin Kamara and some of these athletics, these speedy guys like Gannon and Tommy Lee Lewis. If they get in a pinch for Drew Brees, right? That's that's interesting, you know. And and no. now J T. Barrett, I feel like he's a six footer. He's mobile, just like just like Brees was. I think this is going to be a great opportunity for him to become a pro quarterback because he's I don't learning. know. I don't know if he necessarily was. You know, I don't know if he is an NFL quarterback. But, but he gets to learn under. He's a competitor. He's an athlete. He is a he's he's a football player as a whole. I don't know if he's an NFL quarterback yet, but. 
Um, but he gets to learn best. from under under this one of the best. best. This is the best scenario I think he could have possibly had. Um, yeah, yeah, no. So, yeah, so I mean, you know, Saints. The Saints are going to be fine. Yeah, they're they're always uh, they're always in the mix as far as one of the best offenses. This the Saints probably have they this offense is probably the worst on paper of the five that I shout out, but it's just because Breeze holds such a value. And like I said, having that offense coordinator and head coach there the whole time with you. Yeah. Is is you, you can't count they, that out. I also feel I also feel like the Saints are like one of those teams that always every season has like one of the highest scoring games because they don't play defense either. yeah i mean that's they're just, always in a shootout the year they won the super bowl is because they played defense i mean that's that's well why. they had jonathan vilma and that whole crew so yeah darren sharper darren sharper was like arguably defensive player of the year that year so yeah um moving on up we got the returning super bowl champs um, this is another team that's got a new offensive coordinator uh just like the the falcons but Mike Grow, who last year he was their uh, he was their wide receiver coach, so it's a guy that's you know he's a, been around the team. He's been around the team, so it's not it's not gonna they're you know they're not gonna take any steps backwards on offense. Well, especially um, and they got Carson Wentz coming back. They got you know they got their best player coming back uh, with Foles is probably the best back in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, and then their two you know their two running back sets they have a giant and Corey Clement who they really like, and supposedly Darren Sproles is coming back. I, I don't know how he's doing it. He, like, uh, broke an arm and a leg last he year. Blew, he tore his ACL and broke his forearm in one play. <laughs> he's one of my all-time favorites, though. We're not talking bad about him. No, but, never but, talking bad so, about so, Sproles. I mean, I'm rooting for him, but that would be cool if I could see him. Hey, man, if, if he's time. coming back, all the power to him, man. Yeah, exactly. And then um, they added Mike Wallace. Uh, just kind of beef up that wide receivers uh, core. They still have, you know, uh, Nelson Aguilar, Alshon, Alshon Jeffries. Yeah. Um, and then as their tight ends go, Zach Ertz is arguably one of the best tight ends in, in the NFL. Um, and then they drafted Dallas Goddard, a second-round pick, who you know, was the highest – Mel Kuyper's highest-graded tight end in the draft. Um, so I think even with, you know, with the, the new OC being, a, being an eagle from last year, I, I expect this Eagles team – I think they're, gonna, they're, they're an offensive team. I don't think they're a defensive team. I think this offense is going gonna, is gonna to work people. You know, Ajay, Ertz, Alshon, these are guys that have yeah, done they, a lot of good things in the league. They're they're a team that can hit you from multiple angles. Yeah, they have it all. And they have a great offensive line. Obviously, they won the Super Bowl with those guys last yeah. year. Um, so it's gonna it's gonna be good. Um moving on up, this is a team that uh everybody always has uh in the mix for the offenses again. It's similar to the New Orleans team. Um, that's Green Bay Packers. Yeah. Uh Joe Philbin, another first-year OC. Uh, Philbin was Indiana's assistant head coach and their O-line coach the last two years. So he was pretty, you know, high up in the rankings as yeah. far as, like, coaches go um, over there in Indianapolis. Uh, this year they got, you know, obviously it's the Aaron Rodgers show. Yeah. Um, even with the first-year OC, they're going to be fine. Um, they got an interesting backup quarterback battle with brett hunley and deshaun kaiser yeah both guys i think showed flashes of some good play and some bad play last year so be interesting to see who um who makes it out of that one they're also one of the few teams atlanta too uh they still use a fullback yep um i think that really i think that's an advantage that a lot of people don't talk about ripkowski is a really good one Derek coleman atlanta is another really good one and then the big the big the big news, I think, for the Packers is adding Jimmy Graham. For sure, it's going to be a monster matchup. That's it's that's a headache. That's scary. They lost Jordy Nelson, which is a big loss, but but they same, had already lost him. Basically. Same same, but different with Jimmy Graham. Better. I mean, I, I mean, other than the fact that Jordy Nelson was like a guy that was underrated coming out of uh, coming out of college and like came up with the Packers. Jimmy Graham's a bona fide superstar. Yeah, so. and also the and fact with that Rogers Rogers play style, I think, is more to. Uh, is more to Rodgers than a Wilson, even though they both like extend the play, which is where, where I think Jimmy Graham is not very effective is on extended plays. Yeah. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to hit Jimmy off his breaks, off his routes like Drew Brees was. Yeah. Um, and then they also drafted two wide receivers, uh, fourth and fifth round. So they're obviously trying to get better at that position as well. So, yeah, yeah still got, still got uh, Rodgers in the pack show in that top five. Yeah, no, I mean, the, N- the NFC has a lot of, 
a lot of good offenses. Yeah, Ty Montgomery and Devonta Adams, both of those guys are insanely, uh, and and Randall Cobb are all like they're, extremely versatile. Yeah, they're athletic and versatile. Multiple positions. All three of those guys played running back. All three of those guys played receiver. Cobb played quarterback in college. Yeah. Um, no, that's I. That's you took the words right out of my mouth. I, as soon as you brought up Ty Montgomery, I was like versatile. He can play multiple positions. Devonta Adams played running back for him a yeah. couple years ago when Montgomery kind of came into the to the mold too. So yeah. Um, yeah, Green Bay is still going to be it. And then last but not least, L.A. Rams. Woo! Yep. Uh, you know, they added they added all the big names. Um, you know, Goff, Gurley, uh, Cup, all coming back. But they lost Tavon and Sammy Watkins. They That's add, okay. They added Brandon Cooks, um, which is big time. I think their three wide receiver sets as good as anybody's in the NFL. With Definitely. Cup, Bob Woods, and uh, Brandon Cooks. But what I want to talk about right now is they have a first-year OC, but they have two offensive coordinators. Sean McVay is an offensive coordinator. Well, no. Well, yes, he is. Um, but their offense – so instead of having one offensive coordinator, they have Adam Cromer is their run game coordinator, right. and Shane Waldron is their pass game coordinator. And the reason why they do this is because Sean McVay is the play caller. Right. So basically th- these guys are coaching the running game and the passing game separately, and then McVay calls the plays. Yeah. Um, Cromer last year was the Rams' offensive line coach, so that's a good you know that's a yeah. good transition into Familiarity. The, the running game coordinator. And then Waldron last year was the tight end coach. Now Waldron, I like Waldron. I didn't know anything about him until today, but he's a Belichick prodigy. We love it. And he cut and a passing game coordinator as a Belichick project is always good. He he came up in the New England system. That's where like he, you know, he started his coaching career. Uh so yeah, I mean Goff's gonna make another massive step in progression. I don't see him taking a step back. Gurley is a top five running back in the NFL. Like I said, their three receiver set's amazing. So yeah, Rams, they could have the best offense in the NFL again. Um, so yeah, that wraps up the five teams. Uh, a couple, a couple of ones I wanted to give a shout out to Carolina was on the cusp. Um, they have a great offensive line with Khalil brothers and all those guys. Yeah. And then cam and then Detroit, Detroit didn't make the cusp cause they're kind of just a one man show in Stafford. Yeah. Um, but they, they're a great offensive team, offensive minded team. And then the giants, I think, I think the giants are going to be very, very slept on this year. And that offense with Saquon, Odell and Eli is no fuck arounds. No. The yes. the Giants are definitely going to take a lot of steps this year. But to piggyback on you talking about the LA Rams offense, yeah. I'm going to start talking about the defenses with none other than the LA Rams. I got some defenses listed, so I'm going to see how close your five is to mine. I, 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 I assume at least four of them are the same. I'll tell you right now, the first three teams that I'm going to talk about were all in the NFC playoffs last year. Well, yeah. No, I mean, I'm sure I'm sure, I'm sure I know. So – I mean, Let's talk about the Rams. Yeah, so we've we've talked about it a bunch, but the Rams, their defense is the one I'm most looking forward to watching this season. Spent not, a lot of money. Yeah, not just because. Well, no, they saved a lot of money. Well, they 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 spent a lot to save a lot. Yeah, but I mean, not just because they're my favorite team, but I mean, I definitely think they have the potential to have to be at the tops of the defensive rankings next season. But yeah. they added Akeem Talib, Ndamukong Sue, Marcus Peters. Uh, to a defense that was already pretty stacked uh, with players like reigning defensive player of the year, Aaron Donald, um, with Wade Phillips as their defensive coordinator at the helm. Um, He has players now that fit the system he wants to run. I just think that it's all going to come together this year, and last year was just a a sneak peek of what's to come. If they have any production on the edge this year, it'll be a great defense. It'll be one of the best – defenses in the league the the middle of the field that they have pretty well wrapped up but you know no no center guard combination in the nfl is going to be able to block sue and dark no because you have to double one of them yeah well you have to double both of them that's why it's like if they get just the most mediocre production off of the edge but if these if these edge guys are not a threat at all um you know it could be problems because that's really they put all their money in the middle of the field yeah, but I mean they run a three-four defense. Um, normally that that makes the edge guys it gives them a better opportunity because they're stand-up outside backers. Yeah, um, and to have your th- two of your three down linemen be Sue and Don- Donald is crazy. Yeah, and I mean they had a pretty pretty overall successful draft. 
Mm-hmm. Um, they they filled the holes that they needed, in my opinion. Yeah. So I, I think the edge is going to be fine. You got to you got to cover guys in the NFL. You know what yeah. I mean? And they got the and they, they got the corners to do it. They have probably the strongest secondary in in the game. Yeah, they have. The, they definitely have the best corners in the game. That's for sure. Yeah, and then so the second defense I wanted to talk about is the reigning Super Bowl champs. Yeah, uh, it's the Philadelphia Eagles. They had a stellar defense last year, yeah. and they made some upgrades this this off season. Obviously, most notably trading for Michael Bennett. Yeah, um, we'll see when he plays. Yeah, I mean he could get suspended um, with the whole thing that happened in the off season. Yeah. But I mean, when he's on the field, yeah, he's, he's going to have an impact. A, and he's a three down player. He's never taken off the field. Right. And I mean, just adding Michael Bennett to a defense that already has players like Fletcher Cox, Chris Long, Malcolm Jenkins, Lane Johnson, that's just now, adding more fuel to the fire. Now we'll just have to see. And I have Philly as one of my top five as well, but my my concern with Philadelphia's age on defense. Yeah, I mean, no, they are, guys, they are on the other side of thirty. Yeah, exactly. So you could see them hit a wall, um, which is which is what happened to that Saints defense that we were talking about a little bit ago. I mean, but uh, I th- I still think this year they're going to be fine. But Malcolm Jenkins, Chris Long, Michael Bennett, um, uh, Fletcher Cox, those guys are getting old. You know yeah, I mean? Mike. That they gotta, they gotta upgrade. Yeah, no, I mean, I think it, this year for the Eagles, it's gonna be boom or bust because of the Super Bowl hangover and all yeah. of that. Yeah. But I still think, like, like you, I think they're gonna be fine. Yeah, they they've got a great team, um, and they're they're they were a bunch of chemistry locker room guys. That's why they won the Super Bowl. Exactly. They're not, they're not big name players. Yeah, and then the third team uh, also made the playoffs last year. These fuckers! I know who you're gonna say. <laughs> It's Tyler's favorite team. I'm turning from- over a new leaf, though. <laughs> this is this is a new season. I'm not hating on them this year. I'm gonna give them a fair shot. This was Tyler's favorite team last year, but the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah. Um, they have a great linebacker core. Both UCLA guys, Anthony Barr and Eric Kendricks, had stellar years last year. They also have a strong secondary led by Xavier Rhodes, and they also added Sheldon Richardson and in Harrison, the offseason. And Harrison Smith. Yeah, Harrison Smith. They're, and I said this all the time last year, they're ex- insanely athletic. I mean, their guys are insanely athletic. Yeah. Um, you know, they're on, the, they're on this list, too. I think their biggest strength is the, uh, what we were talking about with, uh, with the Saints is their defensive coordinator, George Edwards. This is his fifth year. Yeah, there. he's been there a while. Uh, the longest tenured um, guy off of in the NFC. Uh, so it's like, you know they have they've had consistency in Minnesota. They've been building this for a long time. Yeah, um, they've been trying to make Super Bowl runs the last three or four years. Um, so they're obviously going to have a, a, a top five defense in the NFL, not just the NFC. Yeah, and I mean, I, I think I think they they you know they probably have the best defense. I um, in 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 the in the league. Yeah, and I mean I think the Vikings, the Eagles, and the Rams, all three of those teams are just poised for defensive dominance over the next few years yeah so i mean those 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 were my three that kind of like stick out above everybody else because i think these three defenses aren't just the best defenses in the nfc i think they're three of the best defenses in all of the nfl yeah see i I got one team that i would put in that group too um as far as like the bet arguably the best defense in the nfl Uh, but we'll see if you name them so i mean the next the next two i kind of have are more just ones that I'm intrigued to watch okay. and see what happens. Yeah. Um, but the first one is the San Francisco 49ers defense. Yeah. So, I mean, I just think the addition of Richard Sherman is enough for me to just be intrigued yep. to watch them, especially because they are in the same division as the Rams and the Seahawks. Yep. Um, but also the 49ers as a team, they're on the upswing and they're trying to change the culture there. They just signed Jimmy Garoppolo to that huge deal. And I think Richard, one of the reasons they brought in Richard Sherman is to try and change the culture in yeah. San Francisco. Yeah, they're trying to bring a winner, winning mentality there for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm intrigued to watch them. I don't know how good that defense is going to be. I don't know how good that team overall is going to be. No, they were definitely they they were definitely a team that I had, like, um, you know, on the list, on the short list, but didn't quite make it. But yeah. DeForest Buckner and Eric Armstead were first-round picks, uh, you know, two and three years ago, respectively. They went first round. Um, on the D line, two years in a row, they picked up. They got Cassius Marsh, who's an old Seahawk player. He's and he's a great edge guy. Um, and then, like you said, obviously adding Richard Sherman um, 
they're gonna they're gonna be good. We'll see. Let's we'll see if they can do it. I I still don't think they're I still think they're a year away though. Yeah. Although they want to compete for the playoffs this year, I I still don't think they're quite here. No, I don't I don't think they're quite there yet. But I'm definitely intrigued to see yeah what, what they happens. look like this yeah. year. And then the last team that I'm really looking forward to watching, uh, you mentioned them on the offensive side, but on the defensive side, the New York Giants. Yeah. Trading for Alec Ogletree from the Rams, that's a huge upgrade in terms of linebackers. Yeah. He also has uh, a great locker room presence and brings leadership to a team that dealt with a lot of controversy last year. Yeah, no, that, that team that team fucked up last year. They were not that bad. Yeah, and I mean, they have cornerbacks like Eli Apple and Janoris Jenkins and a safety in, like Landon Collins. They have a lot of talent in the secondary, and I know Eli Apple dealt with some stuff with uh, Landon Collins in, off the field. Yeah. But if, if they can get their heads straight and and just put their focus on football, yeah, they still got Snacks Harrison. Yeah, they're they're going to be they're going to have a solid defense. Those are those are interesting ones. The, the, they could be there, you know. You never know. The two I have on my list that you didn't say was uh, Carolina is the other team that I think is in the conversation as best defense in the NFL. I put Carolina with with LA and Minnesota for sure. They had they added Dontre Poe. You know, mm-hmm. who's who's a stud from Kansas City. So you're looking at Dontre Poe, Mario Addison, and Quan Short. All of those guys are great players on the defensive line. I think they have the best linebacker core in the NFL with Luke Keekley, Thomas Davis, and Shaq Shaq Thompson. Yeah, that that's uh, an unreal lineup right there. Yep, and they got they, they added a new uh they added a new defensive coordinator this year, but he's been with the team since two thousand eleven. He was their D line coach. So I think that that's another uh, that's another, you know, a good a good hire for them is is keeping in house and then Seahawks, man. Yeah, no. I think, I think everyone is like, you know, I've been defending them all. Everyone's sleeping all, on them. Everyone's sleeping on them because, you know, they lost big names, household names, you know. Um, but what I mean, what we got is we got four players on defense. We're in the top 100. You have a lot to work with. Yeah, we have two players in the top 100, or four players and four defensive players in the top 100. You know, KJ, Bobby Wagner, Cam Chancellor, and Earl. Earl Thomas and Bobby Wagner are arguably the two best players at the position, and arguably the two most important positions on defense. Yeah. The two they got they got players like Shaq Griffin or. Both Shaq Griffins. Both Shaq Griffins, but <laughs> to be specific, Shaquille Griffin yeah. and Frank Clark, who are guys that were rookies last year, that I think Frank Clark's going to be our best guy on the edge, and I think, you know, uh, Sha- Shaq. Shaquille, Shaquille, Griff- yeah. Shaquille Griffin's going to be our number one corner. Um, and then lastly, the last thing I'll end on with the Seattle's defense is we got a new defense according this year, Ken Norton Jr., an old player. Um, he was – the defensive coordinator uh, the last three years in Oakland, um, he's he also came up coaching at USC yeah. um, with Pete Carroll. He yep. co- and he also coached with the Seahawks when Pete Carroll first got to Seattle in 2010. So he's a guy that's familiar with Seattle. He's familiar with uh, Coach Carroll. He's going to run the same, you know, uh, three-deep zone, uh, four-three defense that we've always run. People are sleeping on Seattle this year. We were – you know, it, at week fifteen, we were nine and five. Yeah, I mean, we we were two we were two wins uh, we were two wins away, and and it just happened that sixteen and seventeen were probably week sixteen and seventeen were probably our worst losses of the year. Yeah, so we ended and they up came and at a bad time. But it's like we were two weeks away from being eleven and five. I mean, this is a team that's not. We we did lose some big names: Jimmy Hurts, Richard Sherman, Michael Bennett, Cliff Averill. Those guys hurt, but. All of those guys outside of Jimmy Graham, I think, were past their prime. I think they were in the, the downslide. So uh, they got to put Seattle in the top five. Yeah. No, I mean, I I think that with San Francisco making – Sha- And Shaquem Griffin could be a great addition yeah, to our defense. We yeah, on special teams. Um, but I think overall, though, in terms of, like, the NFC West, with San Francisco making the moves that they did – Seattle making the moves that they did, LA making the moves that they did, and then Arizona drafting a quarterback in Josh Rosen. And signed Bradford. And signing Bradford. And they're getting their stud running back. Yeah, they got their stud running back. They still got Larry Fitzgerald. I think the NFC West is going to be one of the toughest divisions oh, yeah. in football. Always, always, for sure. So, yeah, I mean, hey, next week we'll do the AFC. It's too bad the, the Cardinals lost Honey Badge, though. I, I, but they got the, the guy that took Honey Badge's place, Buda Baker. 
He's a he's he can a, fill in for that. He's a local kid too. He's Bellevue High School out of Seattle. He's, he's there you a, go. He's a he's a legend, four-time state champ. There you go. So yeah, so next week Tyler will do the AFC defense, and I will do the AFC offenses, and then in two weeks we will do our very early power rankings presented by the Cut Barbershop. But now I got three questions for Tyler to run him through a quick little two-minute drill to close out the show. So I'm gonna get the get the clock ready. Let's do it. So, all right, question number one. Robinson Cano, the Seattle Mariners, was suspended 80 games for testing positive for PEDs. It turns out the substance he was taking was a masking agent to try and get him to pass the test. Yeah. Uh, obviously, baseball has had a huge issue with steroids and players testing positive for all sorts of performance-enhancing drugs. Steroids has helped players hit uh, with more power most notably Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa when they had the home run battle, and then Barry Bonds breaking the home run record. Nowadays, people are trying to figure out ways to make baseball more marketable and more entertaining. Is it time for baseball to just yes. just allow players yes. to use steroids, even though everyone knows the long-term health effects, yeah. if it means the product on the field would be more entertaining? Yeah. Two minutes. I, think, I mean, I think they should because it's a business. You know what I mean? You're, yeah. you're trying to make money. and. When it comes to the the whole player safety and health thing, I mean these are the same issues that you know the NFL is facing with their with their health. Um, that you know the NFL kills you. You know, what yeah. I mean? Like I don't know. I haven't looked at the numbers as far as like steroids. I don't know if they're killing people or not. But I mean, there are long term health yeah, effects. Yeah, no, it's actually there. They are very extreme long term health effects. But it's like shit. Football's killing you. You know what I mean? Yeah. How bad kids and. What I've always thought is why don't they legalize it in a, in a certain dosage to where it's like an even playing field, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't know how they could regulate that. I don't know how they would do it. I mean, people are always going to cheat. Yeah. Um, that's just the way it is. And it's similar to the – and I also think it's similar to the, the thing with uh, paying college football players and, and men's college basketball players in the sense that, listen, this is the way it is. I mean, I, I you know, like we would like to – we I wish it wasn't. I wish we didn't have to pay college kids. I wish we didn't have to, you know, like suspend players for using steroids, but people are using steroids. Kids are getting paid. Yeah. You, you should change the laws to the times, um, you know, because it's not it's not the way it used to be. Steroids are part of baseball now. And they always, yeah. And they will be for from now on. That's, that's very, I mean, I was expecting you to say yes. Like, I, I already knew your answer going in when I was writing yeah. the question. Yeah. Because for me, it's like, no, I don't want steroids in baseball. I want yeah. to keep the game clean. Yeah. Yeah. I think there should be an asterisk on Barry Bonds' record. Yeah. I, Hank Aaron is the home run record holder to me. It, it should just be – I mean, it's just an era. Well, I mean, I think every guy in, in the era it's, is and what tainted. I And what I think the – like, because obviously – There's going to be very, always few, very few people like Ichiro and stuff that aren't going to be tied to anything. You yeah. Know? Everyone else is going to be – you know, not everyone but Ichiro, but, like, yeah. for, the, for the majority of, like, 80% of the, you know, star baseball players of this generation for these last 20 years, it's Asterix. It's the it's the steroids generation of the game. Yeah, and, I mean, real quick, I know the buzzer went off, but, I mean, I've always said because of the big debate on, like, who should get into the Hall of Fame and yeah, all of that, yeah. it's like I think Cooperstown should just create a wing in the Hall of Fame that's the steroid era. Yeah, I mean they they have uh, uh they I mean I think it's set up in you know decades anyways, but yeah I mean they should just have it have it be like this is the era where this started happening you know what yeah I mean? it's just it's it's not that they're any worse or any better I just think they're just looked upon differently because they well they looked at as cheaters they still had to do it um, but it's it's tainted in a way but everyone's doing it that's why that's why it's hard for me to like feel bad say like. For, oh well, this guy shouldn't do. Yeah, well, what, if he didn't, would he have even had a job? Yeah, you know what I mean, because someone else would do. Yeah, because it. it's like who knows when Robinson Cano really started taking steroids? Did he do it when he was back with the Yankees? Yeah, is it only yeah. with the Mariners? Yeah, who like knows? A, like A Rod. I mean, I don't know. I mean, A Rod could have done you know two cycles for all I know. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or he could have been doing them because he was years. like he was an athletic kid. You know what yeah. I mean? Like when he was nineteen, he was an athlete. He didn't look like a baseball. He looked like a basketball player, not a baseball player. Yeah, he looked like a point guard. So it's like. Yeah, it's interesting. We'll we'll see with baseball. I mean, I think history is going to show history is going to show 
the steroid era. We'll, oh, for we'll, sure. But I, but I think it's just going to be a cutoff. I mean, I don't think it's ever going to end now. We're in it. It's, yeah. it's not going backwards. Yeah, We're not no. going back to natural athletes. <laughs> no, I don't, th- I don't think so either. All right, question number two. And I know this is very near and dear to your heart because you have a tattoo of the logo on your back. Yeah. So ESPN 30 for 30 and Netflix have announced that a new Michael Jordan documentary is going to be coming out next year in 2019. Michael heard everybody talking about all this goat talk and was like, yo, release the tapes. They're coming out with a 10-part series. And Michael Jordan is signed on and participating in it. And the do- the people making the documentary have access to over 500 hours of unseen footage from Michael and yeah, who, who yeah. Yeah, yeah just his life his career everything yeah. so what are you most looking forward to in like what are you most looking forward to seeing in this documentary about Michael Jordan like if I could have back if I could just have access to Michael Jordan's brain basically I mean I, like, yeah like if I could just talk to Michael Jordan get well, all of my answers yeah like in this in this 500 hours of unseen footage yeah. what are you most looking forward to seeing well off the top of my head I would say the dream team and the baseball years yeah are like the most interesting to me because the rest of it's so like over record I mean it's just like I've been beaten over the head with every Michael right. Jordan stat you could think of every story every series i've watched i mean i've watched so much of michael jordan i've I, I michael jordan i've probably seen michael jordan games like top 10 of any player you know what yeah I mean? he's been retired since 2003 so um i would love to see dream team footage you know what i mean there's always that legendary that legendary game, game which i don't know if they have the footage you know I, I don't know if he's the one that has it or or what but like if that comes out that's gold yeah, I mean that's literally gold, like basketball gold. I think you should put that in the Hall of Fame, honestly, and not yeah. let anyone have it. Yeah. Um, and then like the baseball years, I would like to see like what he was doing because it's just it's so weird to me that someone that you look at to have all this passion, this drive, this relentlessness, this competitiveness, walk away from the game that he so so called loves. Yeah. It's like how you know I know that he was, you know, it was a shock losing your father and all that, but it's like yeah. You know, I don't know. It would be so. I mean, for me, it would be really interesting to see. Also, you know, why he retired the second time. You know what I mean? The wizard stuff. That's, yeah. That, all that kind of stuff. Those are really the only things to me that are in the dark as far as like why did Jordan quit twice? Yeah. What you know, the dream team scenario, and obviously it'll be fun to hear him talk about LeBron and Kobe. Yeah, because he's um, gonna. But be- that's not necessarily footage. But like, if he's, it, it would be great to hear him talk about LeBron and Kobe. Yeah, I mean, I, I assume that he's gonna show Kobe much more respect than he does LeBron. I would just, but I also so. don't think he's gonna disrespect LeBron. No, I don't think he would disrespect LeBron, but I definitely think he's gonna have a lot more high praise and for I, Kobe. And I also hope that he says he addresses like the shoe game and Kanye. Um, because I think it's ridiculous and asinine <laughs> for Kanye West to think he's more influential in the sneaker game. I think some of the some of the things that I I'd be looking forward to seeing, like you said, the dream team, the baseball years. Also, I mean, when it comes to the baseball years, did he really walk away because the NBA was threatening to suspend him for gam- gambling and all of that? Also, yeah. See, exactly. That's that's what I mean. Is there a conspiracy to it, or right. were you just really like? Was it devastating losing your dad? Yeah. You know? And then also, I want to hear him talk about Isaiah and Charles Barkley. Yeah. Well, because he hates Isaiah. And he hates Charles. And Charles Barkley and him are not friends anymore. Yeah, but they were always – I mean, that's just – that makes sense to me. I mean, they were always homies, but they were both alpha dogs. They're not going to back down to each other. But No, but the reason they're not friends anymore is because Charles criticized him as a GM and an owner and all of that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because Charles is an analyst now. He has to analyze Michael – yeah. Yeah. That's not a surprise. That doesn't make any sense. It would be cool to hear about the Isaiah stuff, but I yeah. think that'll all go along with the dream team. I mean, he, exactly. He hated him because he everyone hated the bad boys. Yeah. I mean, people did not like him. They were dirty. They were considered a dirty team. They were a dirty team. They were physical. They beat you up, and they were assholes. So yeah. He's like fuck these guys. You know what I mean? And now I hold the power. And now I have the infinity gauntlet of the <laughs> NBA. I will hold all the power. You're not on my team. Yeah. So, all right. Last question. Mark Stein of the New York Times reported that uh, earlier today that the Raptors quietly explored trade options for DeMar DeRozan last offseason. Uh, Ramona Shelburne of ESPN has been on the record saying that this offseason there will be a record amount of superstars in the NBA changing teams. Let's say Ramona is right in her prediction. 
give me your top three to five superstars that yeah, you think will be is, on new teams is, next this is season. weird, though, because, like, how are you going to measure, what you know, like how many superstars move every year? Yeah. I mean, I think we've been seeing it for a long time. Even, I mean, 2010, we waited on that free agency class for, like, three years. Yeah. Um, but to answer your question, the, the guys that I think are going to move now, I mean, all of a sudden it looks like Kawhi's going to move. Yeah. I think LeBron's basically 50-50. Um, Paul George, I think, is closer to a hundred percent sure thing. Yeah. Dwight Howard or Dwight Howard, Demarcus Cousins now, I think, is a for sure thing just because of the success the Pelicans had. Yeah. Um, I think he's for sure going to be on a different team. Um, and then after that, who's going to, you know? I mean, I I have a list of five guys. Yeah. I mean, and I mean, you, you named could, four of four out of the or yeah, three out of the five. You could, you, you know, I, you could also see like DeAndre. Just because the Clippers might try to, you know, blow, yeah. it, blow it up per se, and then there's always those teams that I, you know, like I said, I'm not a fan of the blow up button, but DeRozan and Lowry, CJ and Dame, yep, you know, those guys, they can move because these teams, are, you know, are ready. To, you know, I, th- the Grizzlies, I don't think are going to do anything now because of the pick, no. but it's like they, sh- if they were trying to blow it up, they would get rid of Conley and Gasol now while they're still very productive. Yeah. So, I mean, the list, the list of five guys that I had were Paul George, Kawhi, DeMar DeRozan, Damian Lillard, and Boogie Cousins. Yeah, see, I think out of that but list. But you're, you're, you're not a fan of the blow-up button. I am a fan of the blow-up yeah, button. Yeah, I think, I think that's – it's yeah, I think Dame, Dame's the one probably the least likely to, to leave. I think – see, I think he's one of the more likely. Yeah, see, I think that's a franchise player you don't let go of. You know, I think if you're going to rebuild, you start with Dame, you know. Yeah, but – who knows? I'm not an NBA GM, so neither am I. Who knows? But yeah, so I mean, that's the two minute drill for for you for you guys. There it is. Yeah. Um, you got any shout outs this week before we get out of here? Oh God, I don't. I don't really. I didn't really prepare anything, so I don't want to just pull something, <laughs> pull something out, and, and and not, you know. Can you, you want to just shout out the jersey you're wearing? Because you're wearing another jersey once yeah, again. Yep. I'll, yeah. Charlie Conway, the captain. There you go. Captain Mighty Ducks, Ducks baby. Quack, quack, quack. I got the Team USA uh, D2 Mighty Ducks jersey on. So shout we out, love it. Shout out Josh Jackson. <laughs> All right. So my shout out this week is to Justin Turner. He is back for the Dodgers. He made his season debut today in Miami against the Marlins. Uh, the Dodgers are off to their worst start since their f- their first year in Los Angeles, but hopefully now that the glue of their team is back, they can start this turnaround and get back on track and hopefully win the division for a sixth year in a row. Yeah. So shout out to JT. Welcome back. You Glad could, you're healthy. You could definitely get the team, just give, give them some energy, give them some new, mix it up a little bit, you know? Yeah. So anyway, don't forget, you can find us at TSK Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you want to find myself or Tyler on Twitter, be sure to follow us at the Duke of Sports and at Tyler's underscore world underscore. All of our content can be found on SoundCloud or Apple Podcasts. Just type in keyword the Sports Kingdom Show in the search bar. Don't forget to subscribe and rate us as well. We are also now on Anchor. Just go to anchor.fm slash TSK show or download the Anchor app for your iPhone or Android That's it for this episode of the TSK Show. We appreciate you all so much for listening. We will be back next week with another great episode. Peace. Later.